San Antonio is always sweet. You know, it's like mango. Mango is always sweet. San Antonio, crowd in San Antonio is always sweet. So as I said, we're going to talk about um, uh, what is it that uh, that God wants. You know, something. What's in it for Him? What does He want from us? And we're going to discuss uh, faith because it seems like every religious pursuit that we follow, every one of them says, "All right, uh, now have faith." Isn't it like that? Have faith. Just have faith. So. Uh, what is this faith supposed to be? And where is it going to lead us? You see? So we'll talk about that. We're going to go into, uh, we're going to delve into the Bhagavad Gita, 7th chapter, 1st verse. And this chapter is called Knowledge of the Absolute. So Krishna is going to tell us right off the bat, very quickly, he's going to tell Arjuna what he wants, and what he what he is offering us. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Seventh chapter, first verse, right in the beginning of this chapter, Krishna kind of lays it on the line. Sri Bhagavan Uvacha. You want to chant it? Yeah, we can chant it. Okay. Sri Bhagavan Uvacha. Nayashtaka Manaha Parta. Yogam Yunjan Mad Asrayaha. Asam Sayam Samagram Mam Asam Sayam Samagram Yatha Yasi Tach Trinu Translation The Supreme Personality of Godhead said, Now hear, O son of Prita, how by practicing yoga in full consciousness of me, with mind attached to me, you can know me in full, free from doubt. So, you notice here something very different than we generally see when we talk about a religious pursuit. Krishna's not saying to Arjuna that just have faith and then when you die you'll see whether or not that your faith was invested properly. Typically that's in a religious pursuit that's what's on the table. You have faith, you're not going to really know anything until death. Isn't that the way it is? You know, when you die, you'll either go to heaven or hell, or you'll do this or you'll do that, whatever your pursuit is. But Krishna says right here, this is one very different, big difference between Krishna consciousness and other religious pursuits. Krishna says, I want to tell you how by practicing yoga in full consciousness of me, 
with mind attached to me, you can know me in full, free from doubt, in this lifetime, you see. Krishna consciousness is designed by the Lord himself to work in this lifetime. And Krishna wants you to know him in full. He doesn't say partially, you'll know a little bit, they'll give you a couple of hints. He says, I'll know you in full. You will know me in full. And he says, free from doubt. You'll have no doubts. You'll know me in full. No doubts. Now that's a bargain. That's a real bargain. So, Srila Prabhupada says in the purport, in this chapter of Bhagavad Gita, the nature of, con of Krishna consciousness is fully described. Krishna is full in all opulences, and how he manifests such opulences is described herein. Also, four kinds of fortunate people who become attracted, or excuse me, attached to Krishna, and four kinds of unfortunate people who never take to Krishna consciousness are described in this chapter. Who knows the four kinds of pious people who are attracted to Krishna? Come on, you guys know this. Hare Krishna! Come on in! Huh? What kind of, who are the people? Distress, inquisitive. Some people are in distress and they think, oh, my life is going to shambles. Oh, God, help me. And then there's inquisitive. I'm, I'm just. Those who are in search of knowledge. So, those who are inquisitive, they're just curious. Those who are in search of knowledge, those who are desperate, and those who want money. God has money. He's got it all. So uh, Krishna says that if you come to me wanting money, I consider you pious. You're a nice guy. You came to me. You could have gone to Lord Brahma, Lord Shiva. You could have you know, made some offering to Ganesh or Shiva like that. But you came to me. You see? So in this chapter, in the first six chapters of Bhagavad Gita, the living entity has been described <clears throat> as non-material spirit soul capable of elevating himself to self-realization by different types of yogas. At the end of the sixth chapter, it is clearly stated <clears throat> that the steady concentration of the mind upon Krishna, or in other words, Krishna consciousness, is the highest form of all yoga. By concentrating one's mind on Krishna, one is able to know the absolute truth completely, but not otherwise. See, Prabhupada restates that. By concentrating the mind on Krishna with love and devotion, you're able to come to know the absolute truth. Godhead, Krishna, 100%. You see? Now we may think, oh, I'm, but I'm so, here's, here's what I hear from a lot of people. Oh, but I'm so undeserving. You know, I don't deserve to know Krishna. I'm so unfortunate. All right, you think you're unfortunate and you're undeserving? I agree, now that we have that out of the way, let's go get to know Krishna. I'm undeserving too. You see? So, that doesn't matter, the fact that we're undeserving. Some people think, well, getting to know Krishna fully, I don't deserve that. Well, of course you don't. 
all right, now let's go, let's go get to know Krishna. Because that's what he wants. He wants you to know him in full. You see? That's what he, and he's used to getting his way. He's, he's, he's the supreme. You see? That's what he wants. He wants you, however, to want that. You know? So we approach the Lord saying, my dear Lord, I am most undeserving. But I beg you, please, give me you. I want you. I want all of you. You see? That's what we want. We want Krishna. Srila Rupa Goswami says in the uh, Nectar of Devotion that uh, when one offers loving devotional service to Krishna, it is as if he has purchased Krishna. When you offer loving devotional service to Krishna, it is as if you own him. He loves you so much for offering this loving devotional service that he does what? What does he do? He does what he's asking us to do. All through the Bhagavad Gita, Krishna says, surrender to me, surrender to me, surrender. One who surrenders to me, then die. So many places, all through. Every chapter, Krishna is saying, surrender to me. Now what do you get if you surrender to Krishna? You get to own him. He surrenders to you. It's a reciprocal situation. You see? It's not a one-sided thing. I, I surrender to Krishna. Yeah. And I, and, I, and I hope he's nice to me. It's not like that. You surrender to, to Krishna, Krishna surrenders to you. Because you're surrendering to Krishna, not out of force, it's not like a war, you know, to where I send my army over and my army kills most of your army and blows up all of your cities, and now you're ready to surrender. It's not like that. It's a surrender out of love. My dear Lord, I love you. Please let me serve you. Let me serve. Let me do something wonderful for you. You see, Krishna says, "Really? You love me? Oh shucks, I love you too. Now let me do something nice for you." No, no, I don't. I don't really want that. Krishna says, "I know. I know you don't. But because you want nothing from me now that you've surrendered, now I want to give you everything." You see. So many times I've said uh, as I travel around. There are many people uh, who have all these desires. And as we practice Krishna consciousness, our material desires go away. Material desires name, uh, normally manifest, namely in the desire for fame, profit, adoration, and distinction. Those are the four motivating factors in the material world. People perform activity for some profit, I need money, to live and the more money I get the better I can live you see so profit fame I want to be famous boy I'd love it in fact if I went to Walmart and everybody said hey look there's Chivananda over there let's go get his autograph and my security guard said no no you can't stay back and I'd be like this yes I am Chivananda and you're not you see? So, because I have my profit, I have my fame. And because of that, people adore me. That's, oh, look, there he is. Oh, isn't he wonderful? You know, like a rock and roll singer, you know. Oh, you see? And distinction. I'm distinguished because I do something differently than everybody else. 
perhaps better than you or anybody. So I have my distinction, my fame, my profit, my adoration. So my false ego is as bigger than Texas at this time. Is there anything bigger than Texas? I'm probably not, so I don't, things don't get any bigger. Well, Alaska's bigger than Texas. So, so your false ego is the size of Alaska. You know. So here you are. So as we practice Krishna consciousness, we start to lose these desires. You know, my dear Lord, I don't have any desire for fame. You know, and I don't need profit. I'll, I'm depending on you. You'll take care of me. Adoration, uh, I have no need for it. Because I adore you. I adore adoring you, my Lord. And your devotees. And all living entities. Distinction, I have no use for it. You see? The fame, what do I need with fame? You see? It would get in my way if I had it, because I would get all puffed up. So Krishna says, oh, so now that you've become conscious of me, or... Krishna conscious, I want to give you something. He may give you fame. Prabhupada became famous. He's famous everywhere. Radhanath Maharaj is famous. So many devotees are famous. People know them all over the world. Huh? Prophet, people offer. They offer. You know, as I travel around people, they, they'll make some offering. They know this guy didn't have a job. He's just probably got enough money to get into town. I don't know if he's got enough money to get out of town. Maybe like some offering. You see, Krishna will send like that. So you, uh, the devotee gets known, especially amongst the other devotees. So you got your fame, enough profit. How much do you need anyway for a devotee? He doesn't need any money. A little bit, you see. Adoration. All the, de the devotees adore one another. Isn't it like that? Don't we love one another? Not only that, but we love all living entities. You see? So there is this adoration. You see somebody, you go to India and you, 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 you know, you, have, you see somebody you haven't seen in 10 or 15 years. It's like, hey, Hare Krishna, how are you? You know, it's just like this love comes back, you know. One thing about Krishna conscious relationships is you don't have to wind them up. You know, like a clock, if you don't wind it up, it'll run down. They used to make clocks that you had to wind up. Now they're yeah. all digital. Yeah. So, but they're, you know, if you don't wind it up, it'll it'll run down. So, I guess that's I'm I'm too old to use that. Now you need something else. I'm talking to a, a young crowd. You see, but the devotee relationships don't have to be wound up. They keep running. I meet people that I haven't seen in 10, 15, 20, sometimes 30 years, and the relationship takes off right where it left off. As a matter of fact, you realize, even though we haven't seen each other, and we haven't been pen pals, our relationship has grown. Isn't it like that? Mm -hmm. So the love, the adoration, distinction, you see, we, we have that. Krishna gives us distinct, distinction. He gives it to us. We have no desire for it. But Krishna says, I want you to have these things because you will use it in my service. You see. So when we stop wanting them, <laughs> Krishna says, oh, now you have your take. You can have this. Because you won't misuse it. You'll use it. I want you to use it uh, as an offering to me. That's what you're wanting. You're wanting to offer something to me. And you don't have anything separate from me. So let me give you something that you can offer to me. Krishna's kind like that. 
By the way, if there's any questions or comments, you know, this isn't a lecture. You know, I'd like for us to discuss. So, by all means, please stop me at, at any time. No, I just uh, one. No, no, I'm I'm not ready. <laughs> just <kidding. laughs> no, uh, was, you said that very nice. I just remember something. I've told Jignasa means uh, distress. People are in uh, distress. Yeah. I've told Jignasa inquisitive. I've told you for money and gaining. Yeah. Things for knowledge. Four kind of people. But they say in joke, and it's practically Artho means distress. Second problem is Artho, distress. Yeah. One distress. Third one is distress. <laughs> and fourth one is distress. distress. <laughs> <laughs> so people come to Krishna, but Artho, 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 and Artho. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You notice when distress, there's something, distress, more distress. when something happens, you know, someone says, brace yourself, but your aunt just died. Oh, God! You see, oh my God, right away, now I need God. I'm in distress, do something. You know, you, 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 uh, you go into your online banking and you see that uh, it's almost depleted. There's almost nothing. Oh God! <laughs> you know, you don't say, oh, Obama. <laughs> I wouldn't in my own. Oh, there's no Obama fans here. You see what I mean? So, oh, it's, oh God, distress. Oh, I, I need. I, I, I you, you know, the doctor tells you you have cancer. Oh God. You see, I'm in distress. So, Krishna wonders, uh, why isn't it that you were thinking of me when you got that raise, you know, when you got that promotion? Did you say, oh God, some people do. They say, oh God, thank you. Some people do. A lot of people don't. They don't think of him so much. Why did I get the raise? Because I deserve it. I worked hard. I worked hard to get my diploma. And I've worked hard in my profession and I deserve that raise. As a matter of fact, I didn't get what I deserve. I deserve more. A lot of people think like that. Not everybody, but a lot of people, you see. So it's like that. We're making these demands, you know, these uh, <clears throat> requests from God. I need, I need, I want. You know. So, uh, we see oftentimes in religion that people are simply asked to have faith. And then they say, okay, I have faith. So now that I'm having faith, my dear Lord, here's my shopping list. Here's what I want from you, okay? All right, first, I want to be the first one to get the iPhone 5. It is 5. Is, is there 4 now? So, so the five, 5 is coming? So I want to be the first one to get an iPhone 5. And I want to be the, you know, I want to be this, I want that. I need a vacation. I want to go to the Caribbean, you know. I want, I want, you know, and I, and I would really, I've always wanted a Lexus. You know, if you can't give me a Lexus, then give me something close to that. Make sure it's nice color, you know, you see. So we start asking, give me this, give me that. Give me, give me, give me. We approach God uh, with the gimmies. So uh, the Bhakti Yogi approaches Krishna and he doesn't want anything except, my dear Lord, how can I serve you? What can I do for you? You see. First we have to come to the understanding <clears throat> that we're okay. I'm all right. 
I'm an eternal living entity. I'm not this temporary body. I'm an eternal living entity. And I'm a servant of Krishna eternally. He is my Lord and Master. <clears throat> Everything emanates from Him. Everything comes from God. And I am His eternal servant. I am perfectly situated. I'm all right. I need nothing. I'm going to depend on Him. Whatever He sends is okay. The, the thing that I ask is that I never forget Him. That I never stop serving Him. That's my prayer to God. So that's when we're chanting this. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. When we're chanting like that, that's what we're saying. My dear Lord, please engage me in your eternal loving devotional service. That's all we're asking for. We don't want anything. The devotee gets to the point where he doesn't even really want liberation. Now, at this point, sometimes people say, Hare Krishna, good to see you. Thank you for coming. People say, well, wait a minute. Hold everything, you know, time out. You say, the devotee gets to the point where he doesn't even want liberation? Isn't that why we started this religious process to begin with? You know, I, first of all, I want my daily bread and I want all this other stuff from God. And, uh, and I want liberation. At the time of death, I want to go to a good place. I want to be liberated. I want to get out of this birth, death, disease, old age. I, I'm tired of this. See. But somewhere along the line, the devotee, as he advances in Krishna consciousness, he loses any desire for liberation. Whatever, Krishna. Whatever. If, you, if, if liberation comes, yes, very good. As long as I can remain in your service. That's all I'm asking. You decide. You decide if I should be liberated, not liberated. Maybe Krishna might say, I don't want you to come back home right now. I do, but I've got something else I want you to do. I want you to take birth in the material world and save hundreds of thousands, if not millions of souls. That's what I want you to do. Now, by doing this, by behaving in, this, in such a way as a savior of mankind, you, by doing this, you won't forget Krishna. You see? What a glorious birth. You'll be in a material body. You see? You could feel the effects of ill weather. You could be poor. But you don't care. Krishna will take care of you. He's saying, please go to the material world and save as many people as possible. And we're like, oh, I feel so fortunate that I want, I, I know what you want, my Lord. I know what you want. Because we, we spend so much time wondering, what do you want? What, what, can, what service can I do to make you happy? And if Krishna says, I want you to take another birth, or if he says, I want you to take another hundred births, and, and, and save this world and then go save that world and go save this world we say oh wonderful now I know what Krishna wants me to do thank you my lord you know. so it's like that we want to know what does Krishna want we want to please Krishna that's our desire you see so uh, we practice this uh, bhakti yoga which as Prabhupada says here is the top of the yoga ladder the yoga system is like a ladder. You know, one yoga leads to another. You do, you perform yoga to get to bhakti yoga. 
see. Bhakti yoga is the top of the yoga ladder. All of them are meant, and, and the Western world doesn't fully understand that. You know, as a matter of fact, I, I would say most people, or let's say many people who practice yoga in the Western world, they don't always associate it with anything that has to do with God. Isn't it? Mm -hmm. I'd say that's correct, wouldn't you say? Now they'll say, but it's, it's spiritual. So somebody has to help me understand this. How can it be spiritual if it doesn't have anything to do with God? I, I don't understand. I don't have enough intelligence to understand how that could work. You see, so it's spiritual. That's why some people say I'm 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 spiritual, but I'm not religious. You know, that's like saying I'm pregnant, but I'm not going to have a baby. You know, there's so many. I used to know there was a whole uh, a whole list of things that you could say. That are that cancel one another out. Like I'm spiritual, but I'm not religious. I don't know what does that mean. You know, I'm, I'm in the fire, but I'm not burning. <laughs> you know, there's so many things. It doesn't work. It doesn't work like that. You see, to be spiritual, spiritual means that we're concerned about the supreme spirit, God. We want to know about Him. We want to get to know Him. Now, some people may say, well, you know, wait a minute here now. I don't know if I want to actually get to, to know God. I mean, gee whiz, if I get to know Him, then, you know, we're going to get kind of close. And, you know, He might, he might start making some demands on me. You know, He might ask me to do something, and He might ask me to do something I don't want to do. So I don't know if I want to get that close to God. All right, then bhakti yoga is not for you. Not now. Not in this lifetime. The bhakti yogis, they want to know, my dear Lord, what can I do for you? Because whatever you want is what I want. See, I only want to do for you. So there are some folks, and we appreciate them. You see, we don't think I'm better. <clears throat> if your desire is to keep God at arm's length, you know, maybe next door, let him stay over there, I'll stay here, and let him provide, you see. Sometimes we talk to people and we say, what's it going to be like when you, when you pass on and you go to heaven? You die and you go to heaven. What will you, what will you do? What will you and God do? Well, they're, they're thinking that, well, I'm going to be living in a nice big fine house, you know, my religion says I'll get a mansion, so I'll be living in, in a house, and it'd be like living in Washington, D.C. The president's not going to live in your house, too. He lives in a big house down the block or across town. So heaven's going to be like that. I'll have my, my place and my family and all my really nice stuff for my really nice house. You know, God's going to be miles away. He's not going to drop in every day. I don't have to see the guy every day. I don't have to deal with him. You see, they're not thinking that, oh man, I want to go off. You know, as soon as you get to heaven, well, let's go see God. Maybe they will, but then, all right, now that I've seen God, now show me my house. You know, 
let me go on with my life. The devotee doesn't think like that immediately. Let's go see Krishna. We go back home. As soon as we get off the flower airplane, you know, and go local Vrindavan, what are we looking for? Krishna, where are you? I've waited so long. I want to see you. I want to see you. I want to hear you. I want to... I've got so many things I want to say to you. You see, some people... They say things like, uh, uh, I see people say, that say, uh, uh, and there's a, there, there used to be a, a television show, Praise the Lord. You ever hear that? Your people, so they'll say, uh, Praise the Lord. Hey, how you doing, Dhananjaya? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. What does that mean? Are you praising the Lord? I mean, when somebody says, to another person. Have you ever heard people say that? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So when you ever heard somebody, they say to somebody else, praise the Lord. And the other person actually starts praising. Oh, he is so beautiful and wonderful. His lips, oh, they look like cherries. And his hair, divine black flowing locks. See, his eyes are like lotus petals. And his smile can charm Cupid. You know, you don't, you don't hear that. So in other words, it's kind of an idle statement. Let's see. So we, uh, we actually want to praise the Lord. We want to praise Him. I feel, and I'm sure some of you do too, I feel that our, our minds are so small right now that we don't know how to praise Him. I want to know Him more. You see, He says I'll get to know Him in full. When I get to know Him in full, I can praise Him in full. You can find nothing but good qualities. You can praise Him eternally. You could start now and go on for eternity and never stop. He's that kind of guy. He's that great. You see. So we don't say just, oh, praise the Lord. We actually praise Him. You are so kind and so sweet and so merciful. You see. We go on and on. We, we don't want to stop praising the Lord. We want to know Him. We want to walk with Him. We want to be with Him. What is that George Harrison song? I really want to know You. Really want to be with You. You know, we're like that. We want my sweet Lord. I want to experience You. And it's not like we're going to drop in, just drop in and see Krishna, and then leave. We want to go, and we don't want ever want to. We want. We don't even want to close our eyes when we get around Krishna to blink. You see, even for a split second, we want all the Krishna we can get because he's he's that wonderful. He's that marvelous. You see, so that's the position of the bhakti yogi. Any any questions or comments so far? How how long should I go? It's getting late, huh? Another, another ten minutes. Yeah. All right, another ten minutes. We'll go. So let me read a little bit more of what Srila Prabhupada says. Huh, this is an important statement. By concentrating one's mind upon Krishna, one is able to know the absolute truth completely, but not otherwise. 
impersonal Brahma Jyoti or localized Paramatma realization is not perfect knowledge of the absolute truth because it's partial. You know, it's like I say that I know you. I know you well. But all I know is your footprints. I've never seen you, but I've seen your footprints. And I say, I, yeah, I know him. I know him. Well, how do you know him? Well, I see his footprints every day. Well, what does he look like? Oh, I don't know what he looks like. But, well, what kind of a guy is he? I don't know, but I know him well because I see his footprints. <laughs> so, the impersonalists who, who achieve the impersonal Brahman realization, how can they know anything about Krishna? All they know is that one aspect. See. Well, he doesn't have a face, he doesn't have hands, he doesn't have legs. He's just really bright light. You know, what, is, what else is there to know about God? If you ask them to praise the Lord, they'd say, oh, you're so bright. You know, you're so void. So, does that make any sense? How can the, how can the impersonalist know anything? In the Brahma Jyoti, we were talking this morning in, in uh, Chaitanya Charitamrita class, how um, the Buddhists pursue voidism. At the time of death, they want void. Okay? So, void means nothing. Nirvana. There's that word that, uh, that's it's very famous, very popular word now. Very few people know it what it means. They think it means something really wonderful. But nirvana is a Sanskrit word that means nothing. It means zero, zip, nada, void. When you get to the nirvanic stage, you're in an empty place. Empty. Nothing. Zero. So you can feel peaceful. Because there's nothing around to distract you. So after you felt peaceful for a long time, aren't you going to want to do something else? You know, here I am, I'm feeling peaceful. If I said, all right, let's, everybody in this room, let's, this, let's feel peaceful. No noise, no, no conversation, no phones, no nothing. Let's just sit here and feel peaceful. Now how long are you going to sit here before you think, I'd kind of like to do something else. <laughs> What's next? But we're peaceful. So... And I used the analogy this morning. Let's say that you could, uh, you, you, you could go to, to Nirvana or the impersonal Brahman, one and the same. You, get, you achieve that state. And after, let's say, 300,000 years of earth years, I, I'm thinking you'd had enough. Maybe quicker than that. Yes, yes, sir. If there's nothing, there would be no you either to experience that nothingness. That's part of their philosophy too. Although I haven't been able to determine from talking with some Buddhists, uh, do you cease to be? You know, when you leave this body, if you achieve this nirvanic stage, mm -hmm. do you cease to be? <clears throat> I, I don't understand the answers that I get. It's usually like, well, it's like the sound of one hand clapping. Well, I'm sorry, I don't understand that. And I hear people that say things that don't have much of a meaning. 
So if I if I don't understand what it is you're saying, I can't say if you're right or wrong. I can't argue with it. I don't know. So it's it's kind of a genius way to make a statement. Don't really state anything. You see? <laughs> and we find the, the Mayavadis, the impersonalists, they're very much like that. They, they talk in circles. And you can't really say, well, what you said is nonsense. You, said, you didn't really say anything. It's like, it's kind of, it's almost like saying, they say, well, uh, kind of, it's, it's humana humana, maybe, could be, uh, it, well, it was, but it, and it should be, but I don't know if it quite is, but, but it's going to be, in, in, and I think you understand what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm sorry, no, I don't. <laughs> I don't think you said anything, my dear sir. Well, that's because you're, you have lesser intelligence. You don't have the realization that I do. You know, when you have the realization I do, you'll be able to understand that. You know, I'm sorry. All I know is that even a small-minded person like myself can understand what Krishna is saying here. And what Srila Prabhupada is saying is very easily understood. And Krishna says here that he wants us to know. He wants us to have this understanding. Knowing means understanding. He wants us to have a clear understanding of him. He doesn't want to leave anything out, you know. Who's going to hide anything? You see, when you're going to have a loving relationship with somebody, <clears throat> a totally loving relationship, you don't hide anything from them, and they don't hide anything from you. You're vulnerable to each other. You expose. You see, hey, this is me. You see, it's tainted if I'm hiding a little something or if I'm phony. False. That's material. We do that in the material world because I feel uncomfortable that if you know me in full, you may not like me. So I try to make myself look a little better or a little more intelligent than I really am. You see, that's normal. On the material scale, that's normal. On the spiritual life, that's useless. That's illusion. You know? Spiritually, how can we have a loving spiritual relationship if I'm misleading you even the slightest bit? <clears throat> you see, I want you to know me, and I want to know you. And Krishna is like that. He already knows us, but he wants us to know him. You see, that's his desire. That's what would make him happy if we knew him fully. And we know him fully by practicing yoga in full consciousness. By practicing yoga in full consciousness of me, with mind attached to me. Now, that attached is a very important word <clears throat> because when we first start to uh, practice bhakti yoga, we develop some attraction. It becomes attractive. So first there's attraction. And after some time of this attraction, we become attached. We become attached to serving Krishna. You see. We become reconditioned. We become conditioned spiritually and unconditioned materially. All the material anarthas, they fall away. And a new peaceful uh, mind, a new peaceful, subtle body is formed. So, 
Okay, any more questions or comments? I think Buddha's, uh, Buddhists also believe they are rejecting the Vedas. Now, I have not studied in detail, but they just reject the Vedas because uh, what I have heard from that time, the Brahmanas were eating meat before, and the, the, the Brahmanas are supposed to lead the society, they were eating meat. When Buddha came and saw that, they said, reject all this yeah. nonsense. <coughs> And just follow me. Yeah. But he came just for the time place Yeah. Stop. Krishna appeared as Lord Buddha to stop that. Because yeah. in the name of offering sacrifices, sacrifices. Yeah. I'm all I'm doing is cooking a, a meat meal, you know. I, I make some meat and I say, you know, it's a swaha, whatever, you know. <laughs> so I made my my sacrifice. So yeah. all all I'm doing is saying a prayer over my flesh meal. And so Krishna says, I've got to stop this somehow. So he came as Lord Buddha and led them away from that. Yeah. See. Yeah, I remember there was a, one of our friends, uh, his Brahmin family, so he offers Tulsi in the wine and drinks. <laughs> 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 so, oh my God, where did you come from this? <laughs> It is okay. It is okay. I am from a I am from a Brahmin family. I can do. So, what is the meaning of Om? Om. That's a good question. Om. Uh, Om is like uh, a summons. Uh, it's like um, asking the energy of the Supreme to be present. It's a, I want to associate with you, my Lord, in sound vibration. You see? So it, it but it, it it's usually the beginning of something. It's not like, you know, a, a lot of the <clears throat> a lot of the New Age people that they like to chant all. It's very nice, but it's it's like this. They chant, Aum, Aum, Aum. That's quick. Usually they stretch it out, you know, which is very nice. But it's kind of like me saying, Dhananjaya! And Dhananjaya says, Yes? Dhananjaya! <laughs> yes, I'm still here. <laughs> Dhananjaya, look, I'm here already. Why? What? So, Om should be followed by, like, um, like we chanted to begin with. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Now, that has some meaning. Om, my dear presence of the Lord, I want to feel your presence. Why? Namo. Because I want to offer my respects to you. Bhagavate, that's a praise. You have, you are complete in all six opulences. Vasudevaya, Vasudev, Aya means unto you I offer this. Aya, unto you. Krishnaya means unto Krishna. Govindaya means unto Govinda. 
I give, I offer. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. You see? Or we chant, there's you know many, many. One another one is Om Gyantamarindasya Gananjanan Shalakaya Chakshur Unmilitam Jena Tasmai Sri Gurave Namaha. Oh my dear Lord Krishna. Please be present, give me your energy because I want to praise my spiritual master. I was born in the darkness of ignorance, but my spiritual master opened my darkened eyes with the torchlight of knowledge. I offer my respectful obeisances unto him. You see, that's saying. Because we are personalists. <clears throat> we have personal interactions with one another and with the Supreme. Rather than just saying, oh, zip, nothing. <laughs> it's very nice, but it's not very personal. Because Krishna is like, okay, you have my attention. Is there something good here? Are you going to offer service? Are you going to praise my pure devotee? Uh, are you going to ask me for money? What? That's it? Om? That's it? Okay, well, it's better than nothing. It's better than not saying Om. You know, I'll give you a silver star. <laughs> I would have given you a gold star if there had been more, but I'll give you so you said oh so I'll give you a few credits that was nice I guess it's you know so it's like that you know so om is is very wonderful it's very beautiful om it it has all sounds meaning uh, starting with birth. At birth, the baby goes, when he comes out of the womb, ah! Ah! Oh! Up to death. Um. So, at death, it's like, see, so from ah to everything in between, an entire spectrum of sound vibration. It's a very nice address to the Supreme. Another one is clean. Clean, clean Krishnaya Namaha. So it's like that. The science. Westerners are playing with something that they don't fully understand. There's a deep science in this Vedic knowledge. They go to, they, 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 they may pass through India and they pick up a little bit of Om and a little bit of this and they don't taste what's there. It's vast. It's like there's an ocean and they, they taste a couple of drops of water. So now I know Om and I know, but there's so much more. Why? Because Krishna is unlimited. See, this Vedic knowledge is just unlimited. There, there is no limit. There's so much. So it's our duty to give the complete science, the big, the whole picture, the rest of the story. Uh, who used to say that? There was this guy on the radio, uh, Paul Harvey. Did you ever hear him? You're too young to hear that. There was this guy who used to be famous. Do you remember Paul Harvey? Any old people here? I oh, hear another old guy. <laughs> the other Prabhupada disciples. The only old people in the room are the Prabhupada disciples. 
But you remember Paul Harvey would say, and now the rest of the story. I wasn't in this country, but my husband tells me about the Yeah, you're too young to know Paul Harvey. <laughs> you see. So that's that's our job. What we want to do is we want to we want to give uh, mankind the rest of the story. It's amazing that you're interested in this Eastern philosophy, the Vedic philosophy. So now that you've tasted a little bit of it, let us give you the rest of it. It'll amaze you. So what we hope is that people don't close their minds and say, well, I, I know Om, I know it all. I know it all, you know? Well, no, no, you've, you've, you've just scratched the surface and you'll be shocked and amazed when you hear the full story. It's wonderful. And when you hear the purpose of all this, the reason why all this exists. Yoga exists not so that you'll, uh, not just for you to feel better physically. It will do that. It will help you to feel better physically in a very remarkable way. Why do we want that? We want that so we can serve Krishna better. If I'm more physically fit, if my body works more properly, then I can, I can serve Krishna without the distraction of aches and pains and, you know, like that. Bodily challenges. Breathing, exercise, helps us so much. What is it? Pranayam, pranayam. Pranayam, the breathing. You know what that'll help you with? Chanting. When you learn how to breathe, you can fill your lungs with air and chant. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Krishna. You can see, a good way to see if your lungs have good capacity is to fill your lungs and chant Hare Krishna. See if you can chant seven mantras. Before, and you'll exhaust all the air. And then you take it back in through the nose chant out seven more mantras. If you can do more, good. Now this is perfect pranayama. Or you can do nothing and just breathe. So which is better? Just breathing or inhaling and chanting by vibrating the sound. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna. Chant it all out. At the end of that seventh mantra, your lungs will be empty. And you... If you can do seven, I don't know if I can do seven anymore. I used to sit and count and make sure that last word. Alright. <laughs> no. I don't know if I can do that. Seven Maha Mantras. Yeah. It's tough. You practice it and you can do it. But I don't know. I think I'm too old to do that anymore. I don't count it anymore. I just chant until my lungs are empty and then I fill it again and blow it out and fill it. So, uh, if you're chanting Hare Krishna like that, what is the need of pranayama? That's perfect pranayama. It's perfect. It gives you that balance. You see. Did you have a question? Yeah. Um, I, made a, I may have missed it because I stepped up. But um, uh, when I was reading about faith and there's someone that doesn't like um, Well, I've asked this question before. How do you get to for your family, let's say, your friends, someone that you know needs you know, at this time, but they don't, you know, they don't know God, they really don't want to know God, and I've been told by your, you know, by your, um, let them see how you're becoming a devotee, yeah. you know, 
but that doesn't mean, you know what I mean? Like, they're just like, well, good for you that you're, you know, volunteering, but that doesn't mean I'm going to go volunteer, well, you know? Like, yeah, but give them time. Uh, uh, my well, mother... Like how, how well, it may take, I don't know, many, many years. It might take just a couple, few weeks, a few not, months. Not so much time, but even like, I guess maybe like, what does it take? To, doesn't it take experience, like something for you, to have, for you to have that faith? I mean, it's easier maybe for other people. Like, I can't yeah. say that I was going through a hard time and then found Krishna. Like, it didn't work that way for me. Yeah. But somebody else that you're seeing that they do need Krishna because they're going through a rough time. Yeah. And, uh, so it's the experience, and then after seeing that time... Once they see uh, your, not only your dedication, and it's one thing from the, for them to see, oh, Sharon is so nicely engaged. She's doing such nice volunteer work. I, that's, I'm proud of her. That's very nice of her. <clears throat> but in time, and I don't know how much time, it's different for different people, they'll see the change in your life. They'll see the person that you are not only are becoming, but that you have become. And they'll be... They'll admire, and they'll think, "Well, this." So, in other words, they may have some faith, but then their faith turns into knowledge. Faith must turn into knowledge. Faith turns into knowing. If it doesn't, you've cast your faith on the wrong thing, or you didn't have enough faith, or you didn't have any faith. Faith it doesn't just float out there in the ether. Faith <coughs> is something you invest. So Krishna, I'll give you my faith. If you, if you, it's an investment. If you invest in, uh, uh, if you invest in a stock, and it, there's no return, then you take your money out and you invest it in something else. So faith is like that. <clears throat> Krishna doesn't say that he wants blind followers. He says, "You give me your faith, and learn to love me, and I'll give. I'll, I'll you will know me." So. Faith is supposed to uh, mature in knowledge. You see? You may start out, it's like two people may get married and they have faith in one another. You know, they're young and they're newlywed and they have faith that you'll always take care of me, you'll always be there for me, <clears throat> you'll always be true, etc. As so many years go by, now they know. I uh, know, I know. I starts out with faith. How do I know what the future is going to be? When the future comes, now I know. You see, you look at that person and you say, I know. I had faith, now I know. You see. And I'm realizing that the faith that I had was as good as if I knew then. When the, when the knowledge comes, when the knowing comes, then all the way back to that first day that you invested faith, was knowledge, wasn't it? Same is true if it was bad faith. You see, if I have faith in you and you let me down, well now, that was bad faith all the way back to the moment that I invested my faith in you. You see how that works? So, uh, it may take some time for them to see. Uh, my mother, about a very short time before she passed, uh, I went to see her. She'd had a stroke, and she was living in Florida, so I went to visit her. And uh, I can't remember how long, but this was 
you know, about six or seven years ago, maybe eight years ago. And so she was cognizant and she was okay. She could walk around. She was kind of crippled from the stroke, but her mind was as good as ever. You know, she had a little bit of trouble from speech, a little bit. So, but uh, and we, I didn't know she was going to die, and I don't think she did either. <clears throat> but she told me uh, we were sitting out in back of her house one night, and she all of a sudden, out of nowhere, she said, "You know, I'm glad that you." took to this Krishna consciousness. She said, I, I saw how it changed your life. This is 40 years ago, you know. I can see how it changed your life. And I wish my other children had taken to Krishna consciousness because they've ruined their lives. And she was begging, if I could rewrite time, I would beg God that all of my children become devotees. You know. So, now my mother didn't like it when I first became a devotee. She didn't like it at all. My mother's Jewish, you know, so she's not taking the things like this. She's not a practicing Jew, but, you know, she grew up in a Jewish family. It wasn't so much practicing. But, so she didn't like it. She didn't like it at all. What are you doing? This is nonsense. You know, as a matter of fact, I didn't talk to her for almost two years. She got a little blasphemous at the Srila Prabhupada. She said, what's this old man trying to do to you? And I thought, I'm a, I don't have to hear this. So I went on with my life. And then we made up a couple of years later, a year and a half, whatever. You know. And then life went on. 30-something, 38 years go by. And here she is telling me, I'm so glad that you did this with your life. Now, I don't know how long it had been that she had realized that. It might have been... 20 years ago or 30 years I don't know but it was hard for her to say and I think she felt like I need to say this because I'm getting old and I had a stroke and I'm, I could die you know when you have a stroke or something like that when you're old she was like 86 she may be thinking I better say what I need to say because I could die at any minute you get very sober in old age you know so we don't know the best thing that you can do is to be a devotee. You see, that solves everything. People may choose to reject it and say, I, well, I think that's baloney. I think you're just a fool. But if they have any intelligence and time, and again, I don't know how much time, they will say, you know, at least they'll admit to themselves. It may be difficult for them to say to you, but in their heart they'll say, I admire you. I truly admire you. So you, you, sometimes you, they even say that, you know. Yeah. Like, oh, like, how did you? Or like, I would want that. And like, like, Prabhupada's lectures, but you know, they don't know where to start, and you're not there, you know. Yeah. They don't have anybody around them. Right. Like, it's just, you know, they're not gonna. <laughs> and it may be that <clears throat> that they're not gonna become well versed in the philosophy this life. But if you go back to Godhead, they're going to. What is it? 100 generations? 21. 21 generations behind you. I thought it was 100, but I'll take 21. 21, is good. 21 generations. I know it was many generations behind you. They get snatched up and they go back to Godhead too. That's the potency of someone achieving Krishna Prima. 
pure love of Godhead. Everybody else gets it too. They get liberation. You see. So it may be that we end, we, we end up living our lives in such a way that we, we, have to, we, we get liberated, but we're saving them. That's okay. I can live with that. I can live with that. I would really love it if my siblings would chant Hare Krishna. You know, they admire, they think, oh, this is one. They follow me on Facebook. You know, my brother and my sisters and people like that. I, I Pictures that I took in India, I put on Facebook. And then, oh, this is beautiful. This is wonderful. You know, they tell their friends, my brother, he's a Hare Krishna monk. You know, he travels around the world lecturing. And he's, you know. So they, they admire, but they can't give up their bad habits. You know, my brother finally quit drinking. He was uh, pretty much an alcoholic. He was getting, you know, he's in his 50s and his health was starting to fail because he was drinking, but he stopped. Now, I don't know if I had anything to do with that, but you see. But at least they have uh, something they can look at in their own family, close by. You know, if you look at somebody who is, is uh, setting a good example, but you don't even know that person, that's different. But you see somebody in your own family that's close, that's really living a good devotional life, that has a big effect. And I guess really what we're saying, since it's difficult for them to actually take to Krishna consciousness, that our becoming a devotee is the only chance they have. the only chance that I can see that anybody in my family had. I mean, I didn't plan it that way. It's not the, that's not the reason that I took to Krishna consciousness, but that's a side effect that comes with it. You see? So, does that make any sense? Yes, thank you. You just, you just stick in there. I can see your heart. You want them. You want them to taste what you're tasting. Not just observe it. It's like you know, they, uh, they bake these nice cakes for, the, for Mike's birthday. So, and now, you know, he wants you to taste it. Not just look at it. Experience it with your eyes and now taste it. So that's what you want for your loved ones. And uh, it's, uh, it's, it's frustrating, you see. But we have to look past our attachment to them and realize that the results of our sacrifice, our offering to Krishna, belong to Krishna. That belongs to Krishna. You see, we, we want it. We want it for them because we love them, but the results of your sacrifice, the junket, sacrifice, they belong to Krishna. You see. So, don't think for a moment that Krishna's going to let you down. You know, he's got fabulous plans for your family. Now, we don't know. That's between him and them. Because they have a personal, individual, loving relationship with Krishna, too. They just don't know it yet. And someday Krishna may clue you in on what his plan and plans are. But right now, he's got something really wonderful working for them. I mean, just when you offer prasadam, if you give them prasadam, if they just take prasadam, 
got to take Tulsi this weekend. <laughs> I offered it, but it was a little Tulsi, so. But if they just, <laughs> if they take one taste of prasadam, they're guaranteed a human birth, more than likely in a devotee family. They're finished. They're out of this world. One more birth, done. I remember back in the, the early 70s when I became a devotee, I went to the Chicago Temple and I gave a donation to the uh, head Pajari. And he gave me some, uh, some of the best burfi I ever had in my life. It was made with cream. You don't see it like that anymore because people are too health conscious. You know? It's full of sugar and full of cream. You know? it, was like, it was like you could squeeze it and the ghee would squeeze out between your fingers. It was rich and delicious. And he gave me like 10 pieces, real big pieces of it, you know, and I thought, whoa! And I ate, ate a couple of pieces and I thought, whoa, this is great. But it's kind of rich and I'm going to save it and I'll eat it later. So I, I came home, I was staying at my mother's house, I was visiting Chicago, she lived in Chicago, I was up there on business and I was staying there with her. So I came home and I set this, had it wrapped up in some foil and I put it on the table and uh, uh, I was over at the sink doing something for her, and she's my mother sitting at the table, and she says, what, what do you have here? And I said, she won't understand burpee. I said, it's some fudge, homemade fudge. Try a piece. And she said, why, sure. You know, so she reaches in and takes a piece of maha right off Kishore Kishori's plate, and she's, I hear her, and she said, whoo, this is good. I said, yeah, yeah, I like it too. She ate the whole thing. <laughs> she ate like seven or eight big pieces of this rich burfi. She never ate anything rich like that. She devoured it. She's sitting there, you know, picking the crumbs out of the foil. Man, how do they make that? You know, I'm thinking, well, you're finished. You know, you're out of here. You know, you're a devotee next life. Not only did she take prasadam, she praised it, you know. Next time you go downtown to that temple, can you bring me some more of that? So sure, you know. I mean, you know. So we just have to have faith and patience, in Krishna. That applies to animals as well. If you give them. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Think. <laughs> yeah, I used to do that. I make sure. That's that's our, our our program. We want everybody to eat when people come over. No, please sit down. Let me get you a plate. Well, I'm not hungry. Oh, but I've got some nice stuff. Oh, give me some of that. A little bit to, you know, whatever we can to get all living entities to eat it. <clears throat> prasadam should never be thrown in the garbage. If you have some leftover prasadam, let's say you have some in the refrigerator and it, it spoils. It's actually still, you know, prasadam never really spoils, but Let's say it just looks like it's got green hair growing on it, you know, you don't want to <laughs> Take it, throw it out in the backyard. Let the living entities have it. Even the little ants or microorganisms, yeah. Yeah. they just, you know, they'll go eat it. Works on them too. So knowing the potency of persona, we should just distribute it everywhere. You know, it's magic. Because, uh, when you offer, when you put the plate in front of Krishna with love and devotion, Krishna eats it with his eyes. All of Krishna's senses are interchangeable. 
He doesn't have to eat with his mouth. He can eat by seeing. And he tastes it. And then he becomes the offering. So it may look like like cake or sabji or something or dal, but it's Krishna. It really is Krishna. 100% totally it's Krishna. So it's when, when you... Um, that's why we don't eat prasadam. We honor prasadam. We honor prasadam. Srila Prabhupada, when, when it came time for him to take prasadam, he would usually like to be alone, but not all, most of the time alone, and he would eat and savor every taste. Very slowly. Sometimes it would take him 40, 45 minutes to eat. And he, would, he was experiencing Krishna. So, so what do you say we all experience Krishna right now? <laughs> there's, more than, there's more than one way to go back to Godhead. We can eat our way back. <laughs> I'm down for that. Okay. So, let's get to know Krishna all the way. We can do it. That's what he wants and that's what we want. So let's go for it. And thank you all so much. Glory to Shiva Prabhupada. Yeah.